story thirty one of romance of california life by john haberton this librivox recording is in the public domain story thirty one the temperance meeting at backley loud and long rang the single church bell at backley but its industry was entirely unnecessary for the single church at backley was already full from the altar to the doors and the window-sills and altar-steps were crowded with children the backleyites had been before to the regular yearly temperance meetings and knew too well the relative merits of sitting and standing to wait until called by the bell of course no one could afford to be absent for entertainments were entirely infrequent at backley the populace was too small to support a course of lectures and too moral to give any encouragement to circuses and minstrel troops but a temperance meeting was both moral and cheap and the children might all be taken without extra cost for months all the young men and maidens at backley had been practising the choruses of the songs which the temperance glee club at a neighbouring town was to sing at the meeting for weeks had large posters printed in the reddest of ink announced to the surrounding country that the parent society would send to backley for this special occasion one of its most brilliant orators and although the pastor made the statement in the smallest possible type that at the close of the entertainment a collection would be taken to defray expenses of the lecturer the sorrowing ones took comfort in the fact that certain fractional currency represented but a small amount of money the bell ceased ringing and the crowd at the door attempted to squeeze into the aisles the backley cornet quartet played a stirring air squire breet called the meeting to order and was himself elected permanent chairman the reverend mr genial prayed earnestly that intemperance might cease to reign the glee club sang several songs with rousing choruses a pretended drunkard and a cold-water advocate both pupils of the backley high school delivered a dialogue in which the pretended drunkard was handled severely a tableau of the drunkard's home was given and then the parent society's brilliant orator took the platform the orator was certainly very well informed logical and convincing besides being quite witty he proved to the satisfaction of all present that alcohol was not nutritious that it awakened a general and unhealthy physical excitement and that it hardened the tissues of the brain he proved by reports of analyses that adulteration and with harmful materials was largely practised he quoted from reports of police prison and almshouse authorities to prove his statement that alcohol made most of our criminals he unrolled a formidable array of statistics and showed how many loaves of bread could be bought with the money expended in the united states for intoxicating liquors how many comfortable houses the same money would build how many schools it would support and how soon it would pay the national debt then he drew a moving picture of the sorrow of the drunkard's family and the awfulness of the drunkard's death and sat down amid a perfect thunder of applause the faithful beamed upon each other with glowing and expressive countenances the cornet quartet played don't you go tommy the smallest young lady sang father dear father come home with me now and then squire breet the chairman announced that the meeting was open for remarks 
a derisive laugh from some of the half-grown boys and a titter from some of the misses attracted the attention of the audience and looking round they saw joe digg standing up in a pew near the door put him out it's a shame disgraceful were some of the cries which were heard in the room mr digg is a citizen of backley said the chairman rapping vigorously to call the audience to order and though not a member of the association he is entitled to a hearing thank you mr chairman said joe digg when quiet was restored your words are the first respectful ones i've ever heard in backley and i do assure you i appreciate em but i want the audience to understand i ain't drunk i haven't had a cent for two days and nobody's treated me by this time the audience was very quiet but in a delicious fever of excitement a drunkard speaking right out in a temperance meeting they had never heard of such a thing in their lives verily backley was going to add one to the roll of modest villages made famous by unusual occurrences i s'pose mr chairman continued joe digg that the pint of temperance meetings is to stop drunkenness and as i'm about the only fully developed drunkard in town i'm most likely to know what this meetin's mounted to squire breed inclined his head slightly as if to admit the correctness of joe diggs's position i believe every word the gentleman has said continued the drunkard and here he paused long enough to let an excitable member exclaim bless the lord and burst into tears and he could have put it all a good deal stronger without stretching the truth and the sorrer of a drunkard's home can be talked about till the dictionary runs dry and then you don't know nothing about it but ain't none of you ever laughed about locking the stable door after the hoss is stolen that's just what this temperance meeting and all the others comes to a general and rather indignant murmur of dissent ran through the audience you don't believe it continued joe digg but i've been a drunkard and i'm one yet and you all got sense enough to understand that i ought to know best about it will the gentleman have the kindness to explain asked the lecturer i'm a-comin to it sir if my head'll see me through replied the drunkard you folks all believe that it's lovin liquor that makes men drink it now tain't no such thing i never had a chance to taste fancy drinks but i know that every kind of liquor i ever got a hold of was more like medicine than anything nice then what do they drink for demanded the excitable member i'll tell you said joe if you'll have a little patience i have to do it in my own way for i ain't used to public speaking you all know who i am my father was a church member and so was mother father done day's work for a dollar and a quarter a day how much firewood and clothes and food do you suppose that money could pay for we had to eat what come cheapest and when some of the women here was a sittin comfortable o nights a knittin and a sewin and a readin mother was hangin round the butcher shop tryin to beat the butcher down on the scraps that wasn't good enough for you folks soon as we young uns was big enough to do anythin we was put to work i've worked for men in this room twelve and fourteen hours a day i don't blame em they didn't mean nothing out of the way they worked just as long themselves as did their boys but they allers had something inside to keep em up and i didn't does anybody wonder that when i harvested with some men that kept liquor in the field and found how it helped me along that i took it and thought twas a regular god's blessin 
and when i found twas a hurtin me how was i to go to work and give it up when it stood me instead of the eatables i didn't have and never had neither you should have prayed cried old deacon towser springing to his feet prayed long and earnest deacon said joe digg i've heerd o your dyspepsia for nigh on to twenty years did prayin ever comfort your stomach the whole audience indulged in a profane laugh and the good deacon was suddenly hauled down by his wife the drunkard continued there's a lot of jest such folks here in beckley and everywheres else people that don't get half fed and do get worked half to death nobody means to abuse em but they do have a hard time of it and whiskey's the best friend they've got i work my men from sunrise to sunset in summer myself said deacon towser jumping up again and i'm the first man in the field and the last man to quit but i don't drink no liquor and my boys don't neither but you don't start in the morning with hungry little faces a-hauntin you you don't take the dry crust to the field for your own dinner and leave the meat and butter at home for the wife and young uns and you go home without bein afeard to see a half-fed wife draggin herself round among a lot of puny young uns that don't know what's the matter with em jesus christ hisself broke down when it come to the cross deacon and poor human beings sometimes reaches a pint where they can't stand no more and when it's wife and children that brings it on it gets a man awful the gentleman is right i have no doubt said the chairman so far as a limited class is concerned but of course no such line of argument applies to the majority of cases there are plenty of well-fed healthy and lazy young men hanging about the tavern in this very village i know it said joe digg and i want to talk about them too i don't want to take up all the time of this meetin but you'll all allow i know more about that tavern than anybody else does there's lots of young men a-hangin around it and why cause it's made pleasant for em and it's the only place in town that is i've been a faithful attendant at that tavern for nigh on to twenty years and i never knowed a hanger-on there that had a comfortable home of his own some of em that don't have to go to bed a-hungry have scoldin or squabblin parents and they can't go a-visitin and hear fine music and see nice things of every sort to take their minds off as some young men in this meetin house can but the tavern is allus comfortable and there's generally somebody to sing a song and tell a joke and they commence goin there more for a pleasant time than for a drink at first there's lots of likely boys goin there that i wish to god'd stay away and i've often felt like tellin em so but what's the use where are they to go to they ought to flee from even the appearance of evil said deacon towser but where be they to flee to deacon persisted joe digg would you like em to come a-visit into your house they can come to the church meetins replied the deacon there's two in the week besides sundays and some of em's precious seasons all of em's an improvement on the wicked tavern ligion don't taste no better than whiskey till you get used to it said the drunkard horrifying all the orthodox people at backley and tain't made half so invitin tain't long ago i heerd you tellin another deacon that the church members ought to be ashamed of themselves cause scarcely any of em come to the week evenin meetins so you can't blame the boys at the tavern does the gentleman mean to convey the idea that all drunkards become so from justifying causes asked the lecturer 
no sir replied joe digg but i do mean to say that after you leave out them that takes liquor to help em do a full day's work and them that commence drinkin cause they're at the tavern and ain't got nowhere else to go you've made a mighty big hole in the crowd of drinkin men bigger and temperance meetings ever began to make it but how are they to be left out asked the lecturer by temperance folks doin somethin besides talkin replied the drunkard for twenty years i've been lectured and scolded and some good men's come to me with tears in their eyes and put their arms round my neck and beg me to stop drinkin and i've wanted to and tried to but when all the encouragement a man gets is in words and no matter how he commence drinkin now every bone and muscle in him is a beggin for drink as soon as he leaves off and his mind's dull and he ain't fit for much and needs takin care of as particular as a mighty sick man talks just as good as wasted there's been times when if i'd been ahead on flour and meat and such i could have stopped drinkin but when a man's hungry and ragged and weak and half crazy knowin how his family's fixed and he can't do nothin fur em and then don't get nothin but words to reform on he'll go back to the tavern every time and he'll drink till he's comfortable and till he forgets i want the people here one and all to understand that though i'm past helpin now there's been fifty times in the past twenty years when i might had been stopped short if anybody had been sensible enough and good-hearted enough to give me a lift joe digg sat down and there was a long pause the chairman whispered to the leader of the glee club and the club sang a song but somehow it failed to awaken the usual enthusiasm after the singing had ended the chairman himself took the floor and moved the appointment of a permanent committee to look after the intemperate and to collect funds when the use of money seemed necessary and the village doctor created a sensation by moving that mr joe digg should be a member of the committee deacon towser who was the richest man in the village and who dreaded subscription papers started an insidious opposition by eloquently vaunting the value of earnest prayer and of determined will in such cases but the new member of the committee though manifestly out of order outmanoeuvred the deacon by accepting both amendments and remarking that in a hard-fought fight folks would take all the help they could get somehow as soon as the new committee determining to open a place of entertainment in opposition to the tavern and furnish it pleasantly and make it an attractive gathering-place for young men asked for contributions to enable them to do it the temperance excitement at backley abated marvellously but squire breet and the doctor and several other enterprising men took the entire burden on their own shoulders or pockets and joe digg was as useful as a reformed thief to a police department for the doctor whose professional education had left him a large portion of his natural common sense in working order took a practical interest in the old drunkard's case and others of the committee looked to the necessities of his family and it came to pass that joe was one of the earliest of the reformers men still go to the tavern at backley but as even when the twelve spake with inspired tongues some people remained impenitent the temperance men at backley feel that they have great cause for encouragement and that they have at least accomplished more within a few months than did all the temperance meetings ever held in their village End of story thirty one